New Numbers on Procrastination is coming to you right after these ads. Number one is it's time for Dr. We, April Jones. Let's, Dr. April let's Jones. get it out of the way. Hey, we're we're in we're still in the middle of a coronavirus outbreak. Yes. We need to talk about the good doctor. You're here. sitting at home, bored out of your mind. Out of it. And you're wondering what could good could come out of me just sitting here. Why not get encouraged, Brian? Why not be inspired? Why wouldn't you? Why not get a good book in your hands mm-hmm. and read that thing and get inspired today? Today. She has a book called No Mess, No Message. You've heard us talk about it before. This book talks about overcoming, finding uh, purpose in your pain. It's 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 an inspiring book, Brian. What do you think about it? I think it's an awesome book that every one of our listeners needs to make sure they have a copy of it because it's going to inspire well, you. It's going to equip you. It's going to help you. I don't want to pay full price for it. You know, it's funny you mention that because if you go to the driftedrumcompany.com and you put in a certain promo code, and that promo code just happens to be crucial, you will get 10% off and only that. Not only that, Tony. What, now, on. you're looking at me like, oh, my gosh, what's coming? What's he going to tell me? There ain't is, nothing better you Is he going to give me some bad news? Is he going to give me some better news? Let me tell you, I'm going to give you nothing but good news because whenever you get associated with the Drifted Drum Company, there's nothing but good that can come of it. Not only do you get the book, but you get a companion journal to go no, along with it. No, you're kidding. Now, how, do, how do I get all that stuff? You go to drifteddrumcompany.com, and you put in the promo code. Crucial. And how do you spell t- crucial? <laughs> Hold on. Right, Hold on, yes, let me. It's gonna be C R U I C. No, 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 that's wrong. <laughs> it's C R U C I A L. Type in promo code crucial. Get ten percent off your entire purchase. See, I don't have to know that because I already got my copy of the book. <laughs> True. But I don't have the companion journal, and I didn't get it for ten percent off because I didn't. That's right, but you got it for free when we met her. That's true. It was even better discount. Yes. So somebody else we like to say a big thank you to another one of our sponsors is Anderson Heat and Air. These folks have been keeping Northeast Arkansas warm, cold, however you want to be for a long time here in Arkansas. Brian and I have both used Anderson Heat and Air. We ain't got nothing but good to say about them. Brian, give us a little testimony about Anderson Heat and Air. Anderson Heat and Air made my house in the middle of winter that was so cold. We just laid the ice out on the counter. We didn't even <laughs> have to use it in the freezer. We were able to put other stuff in the freezer as like a storage space. But whenever Anderson Heat and Air came over and put in a brand new high efficiency heating unit in it ever since then that house has had some heat it's had the warmth it's been a nice and cozy place to be it's been a great house a definite upgrade by getting an association with anderson heat and air you can get a hold of him by calling 870-935-1155 and he's always always got time to make time for you always always another one of our sponsors we want to give a huge shout out to brian it's your favorite. I'm talking about mm-hmm. you go in, mm-hmm. you sit down. Mm-hmm. Instantly, they're bringing you some fresh, warm bread mm. with some nice, toasty, nice, good butter. Oh, I'm getting hungry thinking about it. And then they ask you what you want to drink, and then you order your appetizer. And then you get your entree. And then there you get your dessert. Tell me about Lazari Italian Oven. Man, I think you've already told us enough because if people aren't already licking their lips and they're already got their stomach growling right now, then there's nothing else that we can do for you guys because that. But I like Olive delicious. Garden better. Get out of here. Don't ever even call me. 
What but, you need, but, but Fazoli's. I, is, I don't want to hear nothing. But Fazoli's, I, I can want, just go right through the drive-through. Yeah, but you're gonna be in the bathroom all night. I mean, you're gonna have to call in to work work sick the next morning. Like you, you got the corona. You got, I mean, you're gonna be acting like you got the coronavirus. People aren't gonna want to be around you going eating and all that junk. You guys need to get in touch with Lazari Italian Oven. There's nothing more I can say to you guys. Go in there and get you, like Tony said, get the bread, order an appetizer, Dude, talk get about a nice that toasted ravioli. Oh my gosh. Toasted ravioli toasted is ravioli. where it's at. See, the thing is, is I never knew anything about a toasted ravioli. I know they had it on their menu, but I never had it before. Oh. I went to St. Louis, and I found out that toasted ravioli was supposedly started in St. Louis. And I was like, man, toasted ravioli sounds pretty good. So I came back to Jonesboro the next week. I ordered toasted ravioli. Changed the way you it eat It might have been created in St. Louis, but it was perfected in Jonesboro. Oh, it was perfected here. It was perfected on South Caraway Road 25 years ago. 2230 South Caraway Road. Right now we're all in lockdown. Give them a call at 870-931-4700. That's Lazari Italian Oven, 870-931-4700. Brian, I'm sick and tired of the dump I live in. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. Anderson won't even come put in a new unit because it's just going right out the side panels. Mm-hmm. What in the world do I do? I think what you need to do is you need to buy a new home. I don't and, know. I don't even know who to contact. Well, listen, here's what you need to do first, and then I'm going to answer that other problem. Number one, what you need to do is you need to get a new home, but before that, you need to sell the dump that you're in for a profit. I can't do that. Listwithliveoak.com. I'm just, so buried in that thing, it might as well be made out of a casket. Just let Dustin Thomas work his magic. You tell him what you're looking for. You tell him what kind of price, and he's going to go to bat for you. And he's going to get you in the home that you got your eye on. It's going to be a home that Anderson Heat and Air already put the heater in it. You it's going to be that good? It's going to be that good. It's going to come with the Anderson Heat and Air. It's probably going to have a Lazari's dinner right there on the, the table the Lazari, ready for you. With, with the Drifted Drum Company, some of their books right there beside it. Oh. Taken care of. Go to listwithliveoak.com or call 870-520-2522. Brian, we're getting ready to release one of the biggest episodes we've ever released. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Because Pastor Tony Spell has... Controversy. Has been controversial. Yes. Because there's a lot of people that are on two sides of the fence. Because Pastor Tony Spell decided to take a stand and said that they are going to have church in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. And so I'm interested to hear what Tony Spell has to say because there's a lot of people giving their opinions about him, but they're not talking to him. Right. And so we want to talk to him. We want to hear it straight from his mouth, what his views are, and how his church is positively affecting the community in Baton Rouge. And ever since we've started this podcast, we've always made it clear that just because we talk to somebody doesn't mean that we necessarily agree with what they're doing. But they have a right to be able to tell their story. They have a right to be heard. Yes, that's correct. And that's what we're here to do today. Brian, I'm going into this with an open mind. How about I'm absolutely you? going into this open mind. And I hope everyone out there is going into it with an open mind to think, what would I do in this situation? Because I don't the, know what I'd do. Because the truth is, until we're there, we don't know. And so I want to hear this side. I'm yeah. very interested to hear it. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from Pastor Tony Spell. And let's go ahead and start that interview right now. Who determines what's essential and non-essential? I will not tolerate any governing body telling me that the church, that the Apostle Paul was beheaded for, Jesus Christ was crucified for, is non-essential, while uh, every retailer, including the Mall of Louisiana, is considered re- is considered essential. The cannabis 
retailers in Louisiana and California are open because they're essential. Mm -hmm. And parenthood abortion clinics are open because they're essential. And you want me to close my doors? I'd have to repent to Peter for being crucified upside down and Jude for having his brains clubbed out. I will not be told that the church, that my, that my uh, maternal grandfather who spent 37 months in a prisoner of war camp in Korea, the church that he fought for me to have religious freedoms for is non-essential. I would have to repent to the great cloud of witnesses that's looking down at me from heaven, brothers. We are more essential bread, milk, and cheese on some shelf. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. think of apostolic, there's a few things that come to mind. I think of exuberant worship. I think of speaking in tongues. I think of uh, preaching Acts 2.38, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. I think of holiness and separation of life. And when I'm really pressed on thinking about apostolic, I can't help but eventually my mind wander to start thinking about great men that helped us get where we are. Yes. And how there are great people throughout our history that has helped the church get to where it is. And I think of, of almost it's like family dynasties within the apostolic movement where it's like their children and grandchildren. They, they're full-blooded apostolic through and through. I mean, I think of names like Urshan and Kilgore. And when I think on that list, I can't help but start to think about the last name Spell. Absolutely. Because I think about uh, hearing sermons of preachers that talk about how B.A. Spell invested in their life. And I think about the music ministry of Tim Spell. And I have listened several times to tremendous preaching from Pastor Tony Spell. And it is our honor on the Crucial Conversation today to have Pastor Tony Spell on, because right now he's gained a lot of attention from the world, and he's been on. A, he's been very busy lately. He's been on a lot of talk shows, a lot of news stations. But this is a unique situation in that that we're one of one of your own. We are an apostolic podcast, and this is an opportunity to talk about some of the spotlight that has come to you that has gained criticism and even in some ways praise from the world has brought the same thing even within the church where there's been criticism and there's been respect. And I want to say before we even get in any questions, Pastor Spell, that you're my brother in Christ. We are part of one body. And I'm thankful for this opportunity to get to hear your side and give you a chance to answer some of the questions people out there have. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you, brothers. And I'm uh, honored to have the opportunity to state our case and be able to tell you what we're doing and why we're doing it and um, hopefully you can get this out to other apostolics and uh, we can clear the air on a lot of matters absolutely so if you've been living under a rock this is what's been going on we are our nation our world um, has faced this pandemic of a virus that has just swept through mm-hmm. Uh, the, the world and our nation. And Pastor Tony Spell said, 
my church, the church, the word of God is still essential. It has to go on. It has to go on. So give us a little background. What has brought all this attention to you? Uh, first of all, I was interviewed by uh, Glenn Beck a week ago today, and we said something that struck a nerve in Glenn Beck. And uh, the entire interview did not make it on air. However, we said, I would rather die than to kill the church. Mm. This morning, his headlines is, America, go back to work. I would rather die than kill my nation. So uh, this is where we are. What's happened is is, uh, uh, we are continuing to assemble not only because of our First Amendment rights, stating Congress shall make no laws concerning religion. They can neither prohibit me from assembling, nor can the governing bodies uh, promote my assembly. So that's from a secular standpoint. If people are constitutionalists and if they are, uh, if they love their nation, then they have to respect that. And secondly, from the word of God, uh, we ought to obey God rather than man, meaning uh, we have a higher uh, mandate from God that said, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together, Hebrews 10, 25. Uh, Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered together. Uh, Psalm chapter 34, 6, let us magnify the name of the Lord together. So our stance is, is that assembling, synagoguing, and meeting in the church house is an essential part of apostolic Pentecostalism. Uh, so the, the national and global recognition now, we've We've uh, reached six continents, all but Antarctica has reached out to our church in the past seven or so wow. days. Wow. There was, there was a reporter who passed by Sunday morning, and we were the only church still assembling. And uh, they said, when is your next service? I said, well, it's tonight. So they came to that service and live streamed it with uh, 300,000 live viewers on that live stream and that's whenever we went uh, and received national recognition and of course all of the uh, headlines have spun out from there so we're continuing to assemble and what the devil meant for bad God meant for good brethren we had our largest Sunday morning in our church's history of 60 years this past Sunday morning Wow Wow what was that number uh, there were uh, there are a lot of conflicting reports. So, uh, one news uh, broadcast is saying we had 1,800, and they have a uh, drone video to prove that. So, wow. uh, it, it, it was an outdoor service, brothers, and there were people literally stopping on the road, stopping in the median, getting out of their cars, and having church with us. Incredible. So, uh, my hard number was 1,048. That was my hard number uh, yeah. that uh, we could get a, a physical head count. But awesome. it was impossible to get a head count of all that was really here, you know. Pastors, but I had I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. Um, mm-hmm. Earlier this week, there was a blog that was written, and your father actually rebuttaled in it. But um, 
this blog was insinuating that the only reason that apostolics and these other churches that are still gathering is because they're money driven and money hungry and um, that that's what that's what they're going for and I, I was actually one of those people that was tuned in watching your services and I was reading some of the critics comments on there and they were like oh the, you, you got to know apostolics I got to pass the plate blah 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 um, but do you think some of your well before I ask this question the person who wrote that article is an ex-apostolic okay. and um, do you think that some of your biggest critics are ex-apostolics with an axe to grind? That's exactly right, brothers, because uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail. We can withstand any criticism from the world and Satan. Numbers 23, 23, Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy, I think 7, 13 says that God will reverse their curse into a blessing. So we're thankful for people that curse us because you can do nothing against us only for us. Uh, whenever the enemies of Jesus tried to surround him and, and imprison him, the Bible says he literally became invisible and vanished from their midst. However, whenever his brethren, Judas, came to him, Jesus threw his arms in the air and said, I'm coming with you. I can't fight my brethren. So that's, uh, you're exactly right. The holiness message, John Wesley said, had no greater enemy than those who once embraced his tenets, because as long as one of us remains standing, they stand condemned. So I'll tell you, uh, the tent that I put up cost me $9,600. The sound system I rented cost me $2,000. The, the thousands of meals that I served in my community cost me $2,500. My bus fuel cost me $1,500. I received $8,000 in the offering because 90% of my church is unemployed right now because of this, uh, because of the virus. So if it's if money driven, then I'm the biggest fool of all of us. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, Pastor Spell, let me jump in here and ask this. Um, uh, we, when you're talking about the 90% of your church is unemployed right now, this is one of the things I wanted to get to is as a pastor right now, um, and I'm sure every pastor is experiencing this, is you've got people in your church that are out of a job. And so the community is shut down. How is it affecting your congregation? It's affecting us because uh, I have young ladies who have attempted suicide because their school year is over and they won't finish and graduate and go to college. I have uh, mothers who's, uh, who's lost their jobs, therefore... They have to stay home, and they can't afford daycare, so they can't go seek another job. How it's affected my congregation, my church members have been singled out by their employees and been terminated, persecuted for their faith because they came to my congregation, and their, their employers said, you must go home while the others in their office were allowed to stay. However, they were at uh, gyms, they were at uh, retailers and grocers who had more people in those grocery stores than were in my service. That is a persecution of the faith. So right now, uh, most of my church who is still employed is also being persecuted for their faith. And, and Jesus said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He also said, uh, Paul said, 
Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We are a generation, brethren, who have not faced the persecution of our forefathers and the first New Testament church. But if we want power, we must suffer. If we want power, we must suffer. Across the nation this morning, something has shifted in the spiritual realm of those who have been calling with hatred and profanity. Something has shifted to where churches and pastors and sick people across our nation are calling me with diseases and saying, Pastor, you have great faith. Pray for me. The Holy Ghost comes in on those prayer meetings and we pray for them over the phone from New York to Los Angeles to Miami, Florida. And God is going to get the glory out of this. Yes. Uh, you, as a pastor and with every pastor, you, you suffer criticism for decisions that you make. How have how has your journey been in developing thick skin to endure um, criticism that comes from the outside and even within? Because, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to hear from you what it's like as a pastor in order. How do you sit there with patience and and faith through all of the the negative? The first answer is if you're going to be a man of God and a true apostolic in 2020, you have to have rhinoceros thick skin and you have to have a soft, pliable heart. So keep our hearts soft and our hides tough. A lot of Christians have developed hardened hearts and become thin skinned. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be that. I want to be a man after God's own heart. So, um, in persecution, okay, I've been through a flood, 42 inches of water destroyed, uh, $2.5 million of real estate in a few minutes' time in my church. Tribulation worketh patience, brothers. Patience, experience, experience, hope. The prerequisite for patience, and that's been the underlying uh, theme of anybody that's interviewed me from CNN to anybody, how can you be so calm? The answer is, is that we've been persecuted because we integrated our congregation. We have 19 nationalities in a predominantly uh, single race church culture in Baton Rouge. Uh, so I developed a lot of thick skin in desegregation. I developed thicker skin during the flood. And right now I have so many scars on my body that uh, the swords from without and within and errors can no longer penetrate me. So just remember, in your patience, possess your souls. And in this time where uh, so many Christians are fighting one another, let's don't fight one another. Let's fight the devil. Yes. I'm not, offended, I'm not offended at you because you're on a podcast and I'm congregating. You don't be offended at me because I'm still congregating and won't do a pod uh, and live stream right let's pray for one another because you heard from god and i heard from god and at the end of the day god's not going to ask me to answer for any other pastor's church but i must give an account for my church body and in giving an account i have to hear from god and when i've heard from god i have a mandate from heaven not my federal or state government and not from other pastors straight from God. And that's what apostolicism is.
I want to ask you, with that being said, uh, everyone knows the spells. Everybody knows your history. You're deep rooted in the apostolic faith. Um, what have you seen over your lifetime that brought as much faith to you that you have now? What has caused your faith boost? Uh, during the flood of 2016, a gentleman who owned the Baton Rouge ballpark came to me and uh, said, Pastor, I have to sell this property. It's $2 million. I want you to have it. I said, I don't have $2 right now. He said, well, I just feel like the Lord told me it's yours. I said, I'll pray about it. He said, you can't. I need to know now. To make a long story short, he financed me at 5% interest and knocked $1.65 million off of that property. And Whoa. now it's bought and paid for. There was a woman who came to my altar uh, a few weeks ago. She had a four-inch tumor on her brain. She said, Pastor, I'm going into surgery Tuesday morning. They said, I won't come out alive, most likely. Uh, will you pray for me? We prayed for and cursed that cancer. Before they performed the surgery Tuesday morning, the doctor did an MRI and said, there's no need for surgery. There's nothing on your brain. There's a woman in my congregation. She has HIV, had past tense. She said, Pastor, pray for me. I have four children. I can't afford to lose my life and let my children be orphaned. We prayed for her. She went to the doctor and got blood tested. She is HIV negative. Oh, uh, so there are things that God is doing among apostolic Pentecostals. And uh, there's, an, there's a gentleman in my church uh, who died on the way to the hospital with a massive heart attack. Uh, he was revived. We went and prayed for him. His blood had a disease called hypercoagulization. His blood was so thick, his heart could not pump it. They put him on so much blood thinner uh, that if they cut him open, he would bleed to death. They gave him a less than 1% chance of survival. We went into that hospital room and prayed for him. And today, he's alive. He's preaching, he's teaching, and he's helping bring hundreds of children to Jesus Christ on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. So what has happened to give us great faith, reckless faith, and reckless abandonment of persecution of our brethren in the world? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us? Famine, peril, sword. This week, a group called 1040. Most people don't know who 1040 is. 1040 is the bravest individuals on planet earth they go to the latitude longitude 1040 group in the world which is the most persecuted for preaching the gospel they'll lose life and they'll lose limb if they bring a bible into those areas of, of muslim nations and communist nations the borders of america are closed right now as you know they heard about us taking a stand they came here this week. They're on my front lawn right now praying with us. I baptized the head man in my service this week. We baptized him in Jesus' name. He broke the water talking in tongues. Mm. They take this Jesus' name message to those parts of the world where the gospel is not welcome. And now, instead of going with a 1040 ecumenical charismatic message, they're going to go with the Jesus name, apostolic message. You Amen. can't do it against it, but for it. And so in the middle of this, you're having apostolic revival. In unprecedented manner. 
uh, I, I got to ask two questions here, and I'll ask one, and then I'll follow up and getting to the thing about your apostolic revival right now. So what is the faith of your church like right now? When, while they're going through this persecution, they're getting laid off, when they're mm-hmm. calling you, when they're giving you this news, is there an undercurrent of faith in them that says, Pastor, God's going to do something awesome here. I, I can feel it. Uh, wh- where's the level of faith at in these people? The level of faith is uh, we're being persecuted so heavily for standing with you. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I promised them, sister, brother, you've been praying for a blessing and a miracle. Don't you know that before God can bless you, he has to break you? Before God could multiply two fish and five loaves, he had to break it. After he broke it, he blessed it and multiplied it. So my answer to them is, you've been praying for a financial breakthrough. You've been praying for a spiritual breakthrough in your ministry. If you want that breakthrough, you must suffer. So their faith is, Pastor, we are with you. We're not intimidated by a virus. The church is the only stable part in our life. We will be there every time the lights are on. There's people on my parking lot praying right now because they don't have a job. Where else are they going to go but to the Lord? Where can I turn but to the Lord? So their faith is reckless. They're praying with people across the city. They're saying, are you a part of that church? They said, we are that church. We're not a part of it. Yes. So you're... Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. uh, So... The church, the state of the church right now is not the state of the union. The state of the union is looking down. The state of our union is looking around and looking out. But the state of the church is when you see these things come to pass, look up, look up. That means keep your eyes on Jesus. Something good's fixing to happen. I have people call me from across the nation already this morning with incurable diseases saying, Pastor, we saw your faith on CNN. We saw your faith on Fox News. We saw your faith on the Dr. Phil show. Please pray for me right now. The Spirit of the Lord comes into this sanctuary where I'm sitting. We pray for them. And I said, when you get your report, call us back because God just healed you. That's awesome. And so you're having unprecedented revival in all of this. That's right. And yet apostolic brethren are saying you're making apostolics look bad. Yes, sir. And and uh, we're okay with that. I'm not condemning those brethren in any way. I pray for them. Uh, I don't indict them. I pray for them. I do not fight them. Uh, I, I wept till I can't weep anymore this day for my church. Because this is the church that mine and your grandchildren are going to grow up in. And where is the faith of old Matt Holland? Where is the faith of old Carl Ballestera? Where is the faith of old A.O. Holmes? Where is the faith of, of Verbal Bean? Where is the faith of Joe Duke? I'll tell you where that faith is. It's resonating in the heart of Bible-packing apostolics right now. And it's burning in us ever bright. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question about um, if there were to be an outbreak in your sanctuary among your saints, um, yes. how how would you handle that as a pastor? As a pastor, uh, 
the first answer is they are no more exposed in my congregation as they are right now at Home Depot or Target or Sam's Club. Whereas mass pandemonium, people are fighting for rolls of toilet tissue on a shelf, grabbing one another and wrestling them to the floor right now. So there's the social distancing is only being uh, is only really being persecuted against us, the brethren in the church. That doesn't apply. We have Deuteronomy twenty five thirteen says, "Thou shalt not have divers weights, great and small. Thou shalt not have a false balance. Thou shalt have a true balance." So we can't have a balance for the church, brethren, and a balance for the Waltons who are multi billionaires who won't close their doors are imbalanced. That's a false balance. And God said, that's not only a sin, that's an abomination. So if there were an outbreak, uh, number one, 99.3% of people who have COVID-19 recover. That means that there's 100 people in this congregation. You have a 0.7% of a fatality if you even contract it. So uh, we're not in, I've laid hands on lepers in other, in other countries. I've laid hands on people with uh, many, many highly contagious diseases. Jesus also did that. So uh, Jesus said, this is one of Dr. Nathaniel J. Wilson's favorite scriptures. He said, uh, he said, as I am in the world, so shall you be greater power. Mm-hmm. Shall be you. So uh, that's our scripture. That belongs to the church. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. If people have a fever, stay home. That's common sense. That's been going on with influenza, H1N1, swine flu, SARS. If you have a fever, stay home. Even whenever there's not a pandemic, if you have a fever, that's a good advice. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, brethren, this is a spiritual attack against the church. We're in a fire drill in America, and the government is testing us for their socialistic ideologies, and they're seeing how easily we're laying down and let them roll over us. The next administration is going to say, lay your guns on your front porch and back away. We're coming to take them. And because we wouldn't stand up today, they're going to do that uninhibited. But the church is taking a stand, and we're saying, no, we're going to stand for what is right. Go ahead. Um, you know, with that, talking about um, what the government mandates, uh, one of the big things of criticism I've seen against you on social media, because I'm, I'm part of a few preacher forums, and, and your name has been bannered about, and one of the big scriptures they go to is Romans 13 and 1. Let every right. soul be subject to the higher power, for there is no power but of God, but the powers are ordained of God. And and their criticism is that that was given the context to people to be submissive to an oppressive Roman government. But we have a pro-Christian administration right now with the Trump administration. And so the big question is, is well, you give the scriptures like, forsake not to assemble yourselves together. But what about Romans 13 and 1? How do you respond to that? That's a tremendous question. Number one, Romans 13, 1 through uh, 5 is not a civil law. There are three types of laws in your Bible. Civil, ceremonial, moral. This is a moral law. 
This is not a civil matter. This concerns the church and the body of believers. Don't use that scripture on me because you've taken scripture out of context, brethren. Now, Paul wrote this to the church in Rome who were under Nero's persecution. Nero dipped Christians in creosote, nailed them to a cross, lit them on fire so he would have a lighted pathway through his night garden. Paul did not say, be subject to Nero. This is about apostolic authority, heaven, pulpit, pew. This scripture states, God is in control. This is a theocracy. Every theocracy has a theocrat. The theocrat is the pastor. The pastor has to pastor his own church, how God has governed him. So verse number four of Romans 13 said, uh, he does not bear the sword in vain. The sword, Hebrews 4.12, is the word of God. The word of God is, is born by apostolic believers, not the world nor our governing bodies, our, neither our president, nor our governor, state and national. So uh, Paul said we are to obey God rather than man. It doesn't mean we should not obey the civil laws of the land, speed limits, taxation, etc. But Romans 13, 1 and 4 is to the church at Rome, to the church. If you're going to use that scripture to argue me, uh, what I'm doing, argue against me, then you need to use Romans uh, 10 and the old Roman road for your plan of salvation, which means uh, whosoever confesseth with the mouth the Lord Jesus shall be saved. That's written to the church. The church had already obeyed Acts 2.38 and were meeting and assembling and were taking beatings and being imprisoned. They were being imprisoned. Why? Because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Jews persecuted them, and Rome persecuted them, and their county and and uh, and magistrates persecuted them. So we're being persecuted by uh, every everyone from uh, some some members of uh, Washington, some members of our state government. However, I'm breaking no law, brothers. Amen. There is no law. Amen. Go ahead. You said on uh, your Glenn Beck interview, which I thought was a phenomenal interview. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you not conforming to comfortability, yes. mm-hmm. uh, which is very easy to do when you're put on a national spotlight. But right. you, you, as we open this episode, uh, I, I referred to it a little bit, but I, I want to expand on it because um, it, it blew my mind. Uh, you were saying that just across your borders, you can go about three hours, two and a half, three hours to packed out beaches, or you can drive, get in your car and drive to Target and Walmart and see, or Home Depot, like you've already referenced, and see absolutely packed out stores. But right. you're being condemned for um, holding God's word true and, and speaking to your congregation what God has given you. Um, can you talk about the, a little bit about the importance of the how essential the church is? Because whenever oh, I that had, was an incredible line on the show when oh, he talked absolutely. about how um, when you, you said how um, how the church isn't essential, that, you're making that, the church not. Yeah, the government says only open up essential things. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, who determines what is essential and non-essential? I'm glad my government doesn't determine the essentialities. 
because they're now controlling the educational curriculum to our children. And in first grade, all the personal pronouns are being removed from our textbooks. He, she, him, her. It's now the, them, they, us, because we're becoming a gender neutral society. Okay, why? Because the antichrist spirit, which is an effeminate homosexual spirit, wants to redefine marriage. They want to redefine uh, uh, what social norm is. So they say that this is essential education in the public schools. I say no. The word of God is essential education. I refuse to succumb to your education that wants to defy Leviticus 18.22, it's an abomination for men to lay with men as they lay with women. So the next answer, uh, Glenn Beck dealt with this last night. Who determines what's essential and non-essential? I will not tolerate any governing body telling me that the church, that the Apostle Paul was beheaded for, Jesus Christ was crucified for, is non-essential, while uh, every retailer, including the Mall of Louisiana, is considered re is considered essential. The cannabis retailers in Louisiana and California are open because they're essential. Mm. The Planned Parenthood abortion clinics are open because they're essential. And you want me to close my doors? I'd have to repent to Peter for being crucified upside down and Jude for having his brains clubbed out. I will not be told that the church that my that my uh, maternal grandfather who spent 37 months in a prisoner of war camp in Korea, the church that he fought for me to have religious freedoms for is non-essential. I would have to repent to the great cloud of witnesses that's looking down at me from heaven, brothers. Amen. We are more essential than bread, milk, and cheese on some shelf. We are the most essential because we were here before the foundation of the world in the mindset of God. Walmart's only been around uh, 40 years. Are you telling me that Sam Walton and his family of multi-billionaires are more important than the church that was in the mindset of God from before the foundations of the world, which the gates of hell cannot prevail against? God help us as Christians. Mm. How, how essential, just making it plain just for your particular context, how essential is your church in your community? Because I know you bus in 26 or 27 buses worth of kids and you feed them. Right. How many of those kids depend on that? And, and before you answer that, I also heard that your small restaurant owners, you're buying their food and then paying them to cook it for those kids. You're exactly right. So how essential is your church to your community right now? If your doors it's were closed right now, what would happen to your community? My community is going to fold up if I close my doors. I feed people who haven't eaten since school lunch on Friday. I feed them a breakfast and I feed them a lunch. I provide them their only ride to church. They don't have vehicles. Uh, I provide them in this time of, of uh, domestic violence increase, suicide increase, 
in this time of pedophilia increase, rape and molestation, because children are home without guardians whose parents are working jobs. I provide for them the only stable factor in their life. Uh, we run our buses, rain, snow, sleet, or hail. We average picking up 670 children, mostly uh, black, Latinx, uh, Asian, Honduran, El Salvadoran. We have 19 different nationalities. Uh, without the church, these kids do not get a hug for seven days. Without the church, these kids do not get somebody to tell them, I love you for seven days. Without my church, this community will fold up. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there was, uh, just like Brian just referred to, there is a uh, <clears throat> people online that are also, uh, this, and this is the last time we're going to do this, uh, bringing these things up for you to rebuttal, but right. um, there was a thing that, that mm-hmm. uh, someone had said that um, you're saying the church is essential, but in Acts 2, there, there was no church to be essential. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Well, there was, there was a church from before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. There was a church. There's always been a church. Where did they assemble? Well, they assembled from house to house. Uh, we're blessed in America in, in the early part of the 20th century. There were brush harbors. People met where they could, but there was still a church. The church is the, the ecclesia, the assembly of called out ones. Where do we gather? Now, brother, that is such an such an blemish sacrifice, Deuteronomy 17.1. If the church is not essential, why are we spending $10 million on these beautiful edifices? If television and pot and, and live streams will work, why do we spend some edifice costs $15 million? Well, if it's the same on a screen, why did the NBA and the NFL spend billions and billions of dollars on the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and the Smoothie King Center. Why? Because it is not the same. You cannot feel behind a camera what can be felt in the the power of God is moving. This is the presence of God. Moses, get those shoes off of your feet. Why, Lord? Because this is where I'm manifesting my presence. Don't get anything between me and you. Well, God, what makes that ground over there 10 feet away unholy? He said, because this is where I manifested my presence. Take them off. The bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. Moses said, I've got to turn away and see this great sight. The church is the great spectacle. Where? Perfect place. Two or three, perfect number. Are gathered. Perfect assembly. Together perfect unity there will i be perfect deity in their midst perfect power that's the church brothers so i say to them why did why 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 do i spend thirty thousand dollars a month on this mortgage if i can sit behind a camera i'm the biggest hypocrite on earth i'm a double-barreled two-faced hypocrite Mm. and uh, i i love everybody i just don't work on camera I mean, if you put a camera on me, I freeze up. (laughs) I'm not a televangelist. The only televangelist I am is behind an eight-pound split max. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, I want to ask you, Pastor Spell, has there ever been any negative feedback that has been hurtful to you or your family through all this? 
more than I can say, brothers. How do you lead through that pain? How do I lead through that? Um, Here's what Jesus did. Um, He said, if you'll suffer with me, you shall also reign with me. Lord, I want to be more like you. Lord, who am I that you are mindful of me? I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, if they made you ribbons of trembling flesh and plucked out your beard and marred your visage beyond all human recognition, who am I that I can't suffer persecution from government and from atheists? Who am I, Lord? You told me that if we would suffer, we would have more power. So God, if this is our hour of power, then the requirement is suffering and persecution. God, I'm willing to go through hell. The Lord spoke to me two days ago, brothers. He said, you know, I cut deals with the devil. He said, tell me about it, Lord. Job 1.6, the sons of God, along with Satan, appeared before the Lord. What are you doing, Satan? He said, I'm looking for a worthy opponent. God said, you can have Job. But when you get through with him, I'm going to give him twice as much. Satan said, you won't ever get him back. Skin for skin, all a man had. You'll curse you to your face. At the end, God doubled him. I've been praying. My son has been out of church for nine months. I said, God, whatever it takes, bring my son home. The Lord said to Satan, you give me that boy back. Satan said, what are you going to give me in trade? You can have Tony spell. God said, it's done. Now, my son prayed through two weeks ago. He's been on every instrument in the past two weeks. And I would I would go through all of this hell times 100 just to hear that my children walk in truth. Man, I don't even know where to go from here. That's the only thing I can think to do right now is... is since pause, pause, pause on that question, brothers. Mm-hmm. I just want to pray right now. God. God, in the name of Jesus, you told us that if we'd humble and seek your face and repent, you'd heal our land. I'm repenting for my nation. I'm repenting for 60 million babies blood who's crying out against us from the ground i'm repenting for 150,000 babies who were murdered in their mother's womb last night god heal our let the church know my heart heal those diseases in our churches heal cancers heal aids and hiv and sugar diabetes give us healing in our churches And when you heal, let them have a testimony to the masses. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Brothers, like I said, six out of seven continents, all but Antarctica, of which there's only 1,026 population, have called to me in the past few days for prayer, to stand in solidarity with the apostolics, which is a name they've never heard. I've had an audience of over 60 million people in the past eight days through all of our nation's news networks. And every one of them have heard Jesus' name, baptism, and one God whose name is Jesus. 
I've spoken with the nation's top attorneys, spoken with uh, the inner circle of our commander-in-chief. And if for no other reason, COVID-19 has given us an open door that no man can shut. Mm. And, and we are the church at the open door. Amen. Apostolics go forth and have revival like we've never had it. Go ahead with your question. I'm sorry. Confirmation. Yeah, that is that is so awesome. So we're, so we're going to start winding down here because we don't want to take up too much of your time. Yes. But but what I want to do before we end is I want to talk about something that if someone discovers this and they listen to it two years, COVID-19 is going to be a thing of the past. That's right. And we're talking about, you know, you know how you endured in this persecution, and, and it's relevant to the church in any time. But I want to talk about some things that are timeless that apostolic should focus on. And it, it does touch some of the things that you guys have been talking, you and your father have been talking about. I saw on a Facebook Live your dad said something about how this decision was a matter of conviction. Correct. And I wonder if I can talk to you for a little bit about apostolic conviction. And and what is it? And I'm not just talking about your, your conviction to have service, but mm-hmm. all the convictions that you hold. What is mm-hmm. the difference between a conviction and a preference? Because conviction is almost a thing of the past. Yeah. Okay. According to the Christian Law Association, uh, there, there are two kinds of faiths. Number one, preference faith, conviction faith. If you have a preference of your faith, there's three uh, criteria. You'll demand that your children be raised in your faith. Number two, you will evangelize others in your faith. Number three, you'll bestow all of your earthly goods, money, land, houses for your faith. Still, a preference will not stand up to the United States Supreme Court. Now, my conviction is assembling. There's five things that is going to give me a case before my nation's highest court, the United States. Number one, the pressure of my friends will not make me stop having church assembling. Number two, the pressure of my family, which is great right now. There's people that want to change their last name. The pressure of my family. Number three, the threat of a lawsuit will not stop me from congregating. Number four, the threat of imprisonment, which I've had the past eight days from our local sheriffs, from our local law enforcement. And number five, the final test is I'm willing to give my life for my conviction. That is the difference. If, uh, if a person doesn't have that kind of conviction. Now, I was speaking with someone, uh, nation's top attorney. He said, Pastor, will you please just postpone for a couple of days till I can get some traction to help get people off of your back in the government. I said, with all due respect, sir, if I could postpone, I would not be on the phone with you right now. He said, Pastor, that's all I needed to hear. Now I know you have a conviction. Mm. But God has always had a people, and he will always have a people. And we've never been the mass. Elisha said to Gehazi, God opened this man's eyes that he can see. And when he opened his eyes, he said, you can see an enemy surrounding us, but I see chariots of fire in the heavenless who are who are praising and applauding us. So America's convictions in the apostolic Pentecostal church, while this morning I have missionaries in China, Pakistan, Africa, 
who calling me and saying, please, America's doors to their churches are closed. We're not getting offerings. Please tell the brethren in America we need money. Please, I said, brothers, stand strong. The church is going to come back. We're going to help you financially. So when, when our churches close, the world is not receiving missions giving. The devil has to kill America. The only way he can kill America is if he kills the church. When he kills the church, America will fall. And like a domino effect, the world will fall. And the gospel will stop being preached to all nations. Big doors swing on little hinges, brothers. Amen. One of my uh, former bishops, uh, Brent Coltharp, he, uh, he, made, he preached this sermon entitled Boots on the Ground and how one of the worst things that can ever happen is friendly fire, Pastor Spell. Oh, that's right. That means you're getting killed by your by your family and your friends and the men you fight with. You've been killed by them, not intentionally by but by accident. That's why I yep. choose not to conform, Pastor Spell, is because yep. I don't want to get confused with the world. Apostolics. Apostolics is the only religion in the world that kills their wounded. When a man is down, don't kick him when he's down. Extend to him the hand faith pick him up restoration is so important Galatians 6 1 when a man's overtaken in the fault restores if one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted let's don't condemn me because I'm congregating and I won't condemn you because you're not congregating and if we'll pray one for another God's going to get the glory a house divided against itself cannot stand God's trying to unite the true believers, not ecumenicalize us with the government. Because the Antichrist is going to rule politically, militarily, and religiously, but not God's church. The people that do know their God should be strong, do exploits. The people that don't know God, he's going to corrupt them with flatteries. You can't flatter a prophet. He's not a diplomat, and he's not a politician. He's not out to arrange a compromise. He's out to deliver an ultimatum. Go ahead. Your father was was told, I'm assuming by an apostolic brother, Brother Spell, this isn't the hill to die on. Uh-huh. And I'm curious for you, what are your non-negotiables? What is the hill that you see that's the this is the hill to die on? Or you know, what are some things that there's there's just no compromise that's in you? Non-compromise, the mighty God in Christ, the monotheistic God. And Jesus is his name. Water baptism, essential for salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by submersion. Uh, Evidence of the Holy Ghost talking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Holiness within and without. Separation from the world is holiness and sanctification. Meaning women must wear dresses. Meaning women must have uncut hair. Meaning no jewelry in any form, meaning no painted faces on our men or women, meaning no facial hair on our apostolic men, just to name a few, non-negotiable, assembling, synagoguing together. I told my church, if I'm the only one here, it's going to be me and the Holy Ghost, but the doors are open and the lights are burning. That is a hill that I'm going to die on. 
Harry Truman was an artillery officer in World War One, later became the president of the United States. In his autobiography, they asked him, President Truman, why did you never lose a confrontation in all of your many battles of World War One? He said, an officer is giving a command by his higher official. He cannot retreat unless told to retreat. He must die on his guns following his orders. Brothers, I've been given a mandate from the Holy Ghost. Go forward. And I'm going to die on my guns until this battle is over. Wow. Amen. Brother Spell, it is an honor to be a Christian brother with you. Amen. And, and You're even, my brother. And, and even when we may not always agree on every situation, yes, sir. you don't have to be my twin. We don't have to be identical. That's right. And but we can still be a family together. And so I'm I'm not willing to kick you while you're in a tough situation. I want to build you up. And thank you for not doing that to us. And I want to yeah, I want to appreciate I appreciate your conviction. I can appreciate who you are as a man, as a leader, as an apostolic. And so here in 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 our closing, we we like to give our our guest a final word if there's anything that's you want to get off your heart, but in this, I want to hear before you you say goodbye, basically to to the listeners that are out there. Is I, I want I'm curious to hear if you have just a brief moment to talk about it, the vision that you have for your community because you have invested so much money into those buses and you almost so much money into those mills and time and time, time is valuable, precious time that you yes. and your church have a vision for your community. And and I want to end here talk about what your vision of revival is. What do you want to see happen in your community? I want to see everybody, regardless of age, ethnicity, walk of life. I want to see all of them in my pews. I want to give everybody an opportunity to attend our church. Those that are poor, those that are wealthy, and we provide transportation for them. I want them to hear the only saving message I never miss a Sunday. I preach across the country and the world. I refuse to miss a Sunday from my congregation because I'm the shepherd of my flock and they need to hear the shepherd's voice. I've traveled hours and hours and hours training others in the evangelistic spirit that we have here in Baton Rouge. Uh, I want to hand down a church to my sons and grandchildren a church that is without spot and wrinkle, the same one that was handed to me. And that was a holy church, a sanctified church, a church that was willing to die for their convictions. And as long as God gives me strength, I'm going to hand that to as many people as I can and let them know that Daniel opened his window eastward toward Jerusalem. And he didn't whisper but in the face of the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he shouted his prayer, knowing that he was going to the den of lions. And I want to keep shouting to my governor and to my president and to fellow believers. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to move. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Pastor Spell, for taking the time. Is there any last word you want to leave? Anything, any last fire that's in your heart that you want to get out or 
I don't know. You may just want to preach a little bit. I don't know. (laughs) Unity is not a likeness. Unity is togetherness. Everybody doesn't have my stance on holiness. I understand that. Uh, Those churches who do things different from us, you obey your pastor, you submit to your man of God. And as the same to my church, uh, just want to tell you that we are the salt of the earth. And when we've drank from wells, we didn't dig and we're living in houses we didn't build. And when we're eat, drinking and eating from vineyards that we did not plant, beware lest thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Because the people that forget are worthless, savorless salt, good for nothing. I've got to go, brother. My attorney's calling me. I love that, you. That's that is no time. problem. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Bye. What an awesome interview. Wow. And you could tell how busy he was. He kept getting yeah, beeps on you, his phone. He was getting <laughs> calls. He he's a man of conviction. You can tell. He and, and people are saying things about him about you know all kinds of negative stuff. I hope that this interview has given you a new light into who he is as a person. It, it sure has me. And you may not agree with everything that was talked about, but the important thing is about this conversation is we're the crucial conversation. And our goal, like it or not, like we have said <laughs> through all of our conversations, is we want to spark a conversation in your home, in your church, in your community, and and we want you to think about what would you do in this situation. And I hope that you've been given clarity to the other side of the argument. And not only that, but really something to think about as far as what are the non-negotiables that are in you. You may not share the same non-negotiables that Pastor Spell when we asked him what his were. He has certain convictions for his church. You may not have all those convictions. But I think everybody out there and every Christian believer needs to have a few things that you say, this is the line, and I'm not going to cross that. That's right. I'm not going to give on this. I'm not going to surrender on it. And, and, and as a final word from me, I want to say that I've seen a lot of wildlife videos. I've, and I've watched, you know, where I, I live is outside of city limits. And so kind of in, in the wooded kind of an area and, you know. County road kind, style. Kind of rural community is where I've been at. And so I've seen animals doing all kinds of stuff. I've seen cats catch, uh, catch um, birds and just eat them up. And I never thought anything of it. I've seen I've seen cats eating rats, and I don't think anything <laughs> of it. I mean, it's what cats do. The most disturbing thing I've ever seen was a cat eating another cat, kittens. And I was like, this is, it's disturbing. It, it shouldn't be this way because you're not supposed to eat your own. And I think that it's it's a terrible thing that we've been eating our own on this situation. Mm. That we've 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 turned Pastor Spell into a punching bag where we can beat him up. And you can say, well, those are the crazy apostolics, but we have modernized and we've become better than that. We're more sophisticated than that. Why would we do that? Why can't we just disagree but still support one another? And I understand there's multiple sides to it, and you can say, well, you know, he's doing a church community and his church is in his community and things like that. But his church is an essential role in that community. Yeah, yeah. And those people are essential in that community. And again, I don't know the right answers in this. I swear to you, I don't. I'm not a pastor. I don't. I. I don't have the authority to speak. But I will say this: we're just a couple of dudes on a mic. We're just a couple of guys with a mic. Who's going to listen to us anyway? But the thing is, let's not eat one another up. Let's not consume one another. 
Let's support one another. Let's support our brother. And this is not just a word of going out about this issue. This is a conviction that I hope gets in my heart because I think I'm the worst at it. Mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I think that I'm terrible at at kicking somebody when they're down because I I'm, I deal with negativity and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that's rooted in us. And I think it's everywhere. I don't think it's just apostolics. I personally don't. I think it's a it's a problem across the board. But I think that this conversation underscores beyond anything else the importance of having a conversation about is it appropriate for us to attack one another? I suggest that, I guess my little final word isn't going to be as long, but I suggest that you find what is truly essential in your life. Is it going out, having a good time, being with friends, or is it making sure that you have a connection with God? Guys, you've been listening to The Crucial Conversation Podcast. Hey guys, this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.